0: Dr. Hussein Al-Shatti and I graduated from this uh, university. There was my seat. Akhir I it. it. So I'm really happy and glad that I will present today here. and yani, uh, I feel like a lifetime's <laughs> So today I will talk about a topic and I've been told that uh, most of you are medical students, well, uh, there are some people who are not medical students. Is there anyone who's not a medical student? Okay. So do you know anything about psychiatry? Or have you, have you done any psychiatric? Uh, not at all, Inshallah. Just to know. <laughs> so what I will talk about today is something that all of these people share which is depression. So why we talk about depression? And I hope you don't get depressed after this. Depression is a major disorder. So nearly one in every ten people worldwide have depression. So any one of you might have depression. You might know about it. You may don't. You may know someone who has depression. Depression is considered one of the causes of Disability Because of depression, people cannot work, cannot function. And this is really, really causing a problem worldwide. Also, just by having depression might increase the risk of having other medical conditions like heart attacks, substance abuse, panic attacks. And also depression if left untreated, at worst, it may cause suicide. And suicide is the second leading cause of death for ages between 15 and 29, the fourth between 10 and 14. Imagine young people who have depression and they commit suicide. The death rate of suicide is considered really high when you, consider it af- uh, when you compare it with other diseases like uh, chronic liver disease, Alzheimer, hypertension, suicide one of the highest. So. Wow, it's really common. But although depression is really common, the treatment rate is is low. Less than 50% of depressed people seek treatment. And in some countries, it's even less than 10%. So if we have 100 people who have depression, only 10 people, if not less, will be treated. And the rest might progress and maybe suicide. So why is that? Why do you think is that? Why do you think people are not treated for depression? Stigma. stigma. What else? So resources. True. What else? Uh, maybe they have beliefs that uh, uh, the the medication might not work. So this is kind of awareness. People are not aware. They think that with the medication they will not work, so they reach other, other methods. But uh, isn't that uh, the treatment of depression, doesn't it, doesn't it get worse at first? Like first uh-huh. Aha. Yeah. Inshallah, we will talk later about the treatment. Uh, my details, <laughs> Not too much details. But some of the treatments might exacerbate some of the symptoms. There's the long run. That's what we are looking for. So. It's all true. Lack of resources uh, or trained health care providers, either psychiatrists or even uh, medical doctors with GPs or uh, family medicine, they're not well trained to, to find depression, to diagnose depression. The stigma, which is a huge, huge impact, not just on depression, but on mental disorders. Because of this stigma, people are not treated. They don't seek help. And inaccurate assessment either by overdiagnosing or underdiagnosing depression. So who has depression? Or who do you think is at risk of having depression? What do you think? Anyone. Exactly. But anyone is at risk? Okay, that's right. That's true, actually. So depression, the uh, median age of onset is 32. Sometimes they say it's 40. But it happens at any, any age. One in 33 children have depression. Children, one in eight adolescents. We say globally, worldwide, one in ten. Adolescent, one in eight, they have depression. Major depressive disorder is more common in female than males, two to one, and this can be due to the hormonal changes from puberty, childbirth, and menopause, and also the different psychological stressors. Just being a female, it depends which culture you are in. It depends what kind of a stressors, what kind of abuse being in. All this will aggravate or will increase the risk of having depression. Also, it was found that depression is more common with people who has no interpersonal relationships, like lonely people, divorced, separated. Depression is more common among those people. Okay, so just by that, can I be born having a high risk of being depressed? It's possible. It was found that if you were born into two parents, one of them have, uh, having clinical depression, you have a 25% risk of developing depression. And this risk doubles if both of those parents are clinically depressed. Now I keep saying clinically depressed because you don't say have depression unless you are diagnosed of having depression, feeling sad, is not actually depression. We will talk about this. And also in the nature, life is stressors, abuse, death and loss. Also, now this is very important, like depression can co-occur with other medical conditions. We just say that depression can cause a stroke or substance abuse. Just believe it or not, 27 percent of people who have a stroke have depression. And that will provoke even further strokes. So it's like a vicious circle. Cancer patient, 25%. Diabetes, you go the like, cocktail hypertension, diabetes. So also diabetic people, 27% develop depression. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Medical students. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually interesting. There's a meta-analysis. You know what is meta-analysis? Basically, they take a lot of studies, and they put them in one study to find anything is common, to find if it does make any sense, basically. So just being a medical student, what do you think? So yeah, it is a stressful event. And just medical school is stressful. So just watch this. Among this, this meta analysis happened between 23rd country. It was found that 28% of medical students have depression. You know which region is the highest? Exactly, 33% have depression. And the suicide rate among those patients, 11%. Do you think they seek uh, medical help? No. Unfortunately, the treatment, the treatment rate is less than 13%. We say some countries, less than 10%. Medical students, globally, the treatment rate is less than 13%. Why is that? You being medical student, why do you think? But why do you think you don't seek help? You have depression. Why you don't seek help? Exactly, so this might be poor insight. What else? <laughs> Why do you think? Uh, they think it will affect their study, maybe. Or, like, Yes, think they think that will affect their study, their future career, being depressed, what should I do? Also, denial, uh, the same thing. They don't think it as a priority. Sah? That's one of the things of insight. They don't think this is an important thing. Also, the stigma. Behind mental disorder, believe it or not, we came from a cultural background. Whatever education we gain, whatever we advance in medicine, this cultural background still affecting us. So we still have this stigma behind mental mental illness. So yes, all these affects the the treatment here to the low treatment rates. Now, yeah, it was found also that first year. Whoa, okay. So in first year, it was found that it is the highest rate of depression, 33.5. And this rate decreases when you advance in medical school. So at year five, so year one is 33, year five is 20%. Now, why do you think it's that? Why do you think it's high in year one and it's lower? Yes. Everything is new to us. We graduated from... It's a new live event, new stressor, new live event. life event. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think it's <laughs> uh, no resilience. Resilience. resilience so this is one of coping mechanisms <laughs> so that's it, they learn to cope they learn with, that, with these stress how do we advance so this will decrease the depression rate uh, on, uh, while advancing and also it is high because this is a new event, a new life, a new era a new, stress, uh, a new stressful event so yes, now when we talk about depression among medical students, why do you think this is important? Why do you think depression among medical students is an important issue? Because they're, they're the ones who are going to be doctors. And now there is a known fact that suicide rate is the highest among physicians, especially among females. In the same study. They found that one hundred thirty percent higher among female physicians. So it affects the physician himself or herself. But what else? You say that you treat other people. So depression among medical students who soon will be physicians, it will affect not affect this one particular doctor, but will affect the hundred and thousand of patients. So yes, medical students who become doctors inshallah who are depressed, they don't seek treatments, they will be more cynical, less empathic, they don't care, and they don't give that care, that medical proper care, to chronic ill patients. So if you don't want to think about yourself, think about the other people that you will treat in the future. So what is depression? What do you think? We call it mood disorder, but what is mood? So, let's take a step. To explain the depression, I'll explain just briefly what is an emotion, what is a feeling, and what is mood. So, an emotion is a physiological response. There is some kind of change. This is as a reaction for an event. For example, You see something, I see like cheesecake, and I'm attracted to this cheesecake. So my pupils (laughs) dilate, I sweat. This is biological change. It, It prepares me to take the next step. So it is a powerful, a powerful, it is powerful, but temporary, just like attraction. But feeling is the next step. Feeling is the subjective reaction to that event. Now, why it is subjective because it depends on the culture background on the experience that i'm having so i may see this cheesecake and i'm like wow i want to eat it other people they see this cheese- they see this cheesecake and they're like no i'm on diet thank you very much so it depends and that is why it's subjective and it is low-key but sustainable and that's why we say it's different from love and attraction attraction is a powerful emotion but temporary. Love is low-key but sustainable. So does that mean two people can have different feeling for the same emotion? Yes. Think about the brave and the coward. What's the difference between the brave and the coward? Both of them, they have the emotion of fear but the brave chooses to advance and the coward chooses to run away. So you can have different feeling from the same emotion, emotion. Now, if this emotion and feeling makes you preserve the world in a different way, you project it outside world, now this is mood now. It is totally vague. I'm just having good mood, bad mood. It depends on what I'm having. So, and this can be explained by grieving. So let's say that you have failed an example, for example, and you're feeling sad. This is some kind of event that provoked emotion. Now you have your feelings, you're feeling sad. Th- uh, I don't like this. Uh, I'm having a bad mood. I feel guilty. What if I have did something right? What if I just want to end my life? Is this depression? It is not. Because there's some kind of something that provoked these feelings, this emotion, and this mood and also through time, this feeling might decrease. And everything negative you think about, it's related totally about this event. So it's different than depression. Depression is even more than this. So how do we diagnose it? I'll just go briefly. So there are mainly nine symptoms, but mainly depressed people, like clinical depression, they must present with one of the two main symptoms, which is depressed mood and anhedonia which is lack of uh, enjoyment let's say they don't enjoy the things that they used to so one of those or both of them must be presented they feel they don't have the energy to do their life uh, lifetime uh, activities they cannot concentrate because they are occupied by thoughts of sadness they have the guilt what if Why I'm having this? Is this something that I've done 20 years ago? I'm paying for it right now and sometimes this guilt guilt is pathological. Also because of that they cannot sleep or they even oversleep. It affects their appetite. They cannot eat well. Sometimes they lose significant weight. They may become anorexic. Also there's either agitation or retardation. And recurrent ideas of self harm and suicide. Now, what's the difference between self harm and suicide? Anyone self-harm, knows? Self harm is when you cut yourself. Yeah. Suicide is when you want to end it. Okay, so that's harming yourself, and this is harming yourself. Okay. That's kind of true. Yes? Uh, sometimes self harm can be a problem. So it's, it's a way of expressing. So that's true. Not just by hurting yourself, you're suicidal, but maybe because you're harming yourself, some people that's the only way of expressing themselves. Sometimes the physical pain may mask the mental pain that they're having, the emotional pain that they're having. And suicide because they think that's the only way getting out of this problem is by escaping this life. So what we do, we don't just see the symptoms, but we also does it affect the lifestyle? Does it affect the functioning of the person? Is it a cause of another medical problem or another mental problem? If the patient is not having that, this is a pure symptom that comes like this and it's affecting the lifestyle, it's staying most of the day for most day for more than two weeks, then we can safely say that the patient is having major depressive disorder. so this is like in the perfect world. People come with these symptoms. Is there a different presentation? Yes. Sometimes anxiety and distress is more prominent. Like for example, ma- masked depression. Masked depression, people they say they're depressed or they have clinical depression, but the feeling of depression is masked by either anxiety, distress, irritability. Also there's a typical presentation. It's not usually feeling down feeling heavy but also sometimes this feeling depressed they can regain it if there is a positive event like visiting a family member or something and sometimes this is sustained also it's not usually with lack of sleep no they sleep even more sometimes it's not loss of appetite but their appetite is even more so it's abnormal or atypical presentation also depression might come as a single just one life event or multiple episodes. So we call like recurrent. Does it one severity or it's different in severity? Actually, it's different. There is mild, moderate, and severe. And again, we look at the number of symptoms are presenting. The more symptoms are present, the more severity. Also, how it affects the lifestyle. The more it affects lifestyle, the more severe it is. And also, there are some presentation like depressed people, they can have Uh, hallucinations they can have delusions some kind of psychotic features so according to this we will see we will say, like we will we can see different presentations of severity of depression what about children we say that children might have depression and adolescent is it the same presentation what do you think probably sometimes the same but there are some things different so we have to keep in mind the school phobia, they don't want to go to school. Oh, I vomited today. I have diarrhea, I have constipation, whatever. They don't want to go to school. Maybe there's something making them sad, feeling feeling sad. Also, excessive attachment to parents. They don't want to leave the parents. There might be something wrong. Isolation, you find the child usually active, social now isolated, he doesn't want to go out. Abnormal Change of activity. My child was calm, now he's hyperactive, I don't know why. Might be something is bothering him. And adolescents, it's more, let's say, expressive. So usually when they present, their academic performance is disturbed, so it's poor. They, uh, they go to do substance abuse, multiple sexual partners, antisocial behavior like bullying, trinity, like they leave school for no reason, they run away from homes. That is why the presentation of depression in adolescents, it's missed because they think, uh, just bad parenting. But sometimes it's actually depression. So, okay, we've seen the children, adolescent, adult, what about the elderly? Yes. Sometimes they present the same, sometimes there are other ticks, Because usually with elderly, they have multiple medical conditions, it is easily missed. يعني, مثلا, fatigability. Usually they present just fatigue. You think, yeah, because of this uh, medical problem, but it might be because of depression. Usually they express their depressed mood with crying, excessive crying, and pain. Keep in mind, if it's abnormal, not due to the medical condition, let's screen for depression. There might be something going on. Okay, so now we talked a lot about depression, and I see people are like, Whoa. now is there a bright side of this? Can we treat depression? Yes. yes, we can. So, our goal in treatment depression is just not reducing the symptoms, but totally remission, total remission. I don't want to go into details. Just one thing about the importance of a treatment. Usually the episode of depression lasts a long, long time, up to 13 months. But when you treat the patient, it gets shorter, up to three months. But just keep in mind that depression is a recurrent and a chron- a chronic disease, so relapses is common. So that's one of the goals. That's why we treat the patient. We don't treat the patient just to relieve from this uh, this episode, but also as a prophylactic, not to have this recurrent episode because it will be more and more difficult in the future. So how do we manage? Usually, what we do. Our, what are the main goals of uh, our treatment? The, sa- the sa- uh, patient safety and having a proper diagnosis. And what we do is we tailor the treatment to the patient. It's not one size fits all, but every patient is different. Also you have to keep in mind that those patients, they might have some kind of life stressors that's affecting them. So what we need to do also is take in mind that, educate the patient, educate the family. So usually we either hospitalize the patient or not, depend on the severity, depend on the episode. The treatments either by medication or psychotherapy, sometimes both, it depends. There are other measures, but for specific uh, specific types that we'll not talk about. Do you have a No. This is a common myth among students. Do you do psychotherapy with your patients? So Do you do? to them? Or do you call them a psychologist? No, we do some kind of psychotherapy. It depends on the patient. What kind of psychotherapy do you So it depends, like for example, patients who have some kind of cognitive problem, let's say, because depression may affect their memory, concentration, and all that, so we do sometimes of cognitive behavior therapy. Sometimes if the source of depression is interpersonal, a problem, so we tackle that aspect. Sometimes if it affects their job, so we tackle that aspect also. So we look at the root of the problem. What, causing, what is causing the problem, and we tackle that aspect. So that's what we usually do. Now, sometimes we cannot take, like our session with the patient is one hour, sometimes we cannot take the whole hour. We take some of it as educating the patient, changing the plan, and some of it we do it for psychotherapy. But sometimes the patient may need an excessive psychotherapy sessions, so we send them for the therapist for that. So that's why we tailor, uh, we tailor the management to plan. Now, that's, that's a common question. So, mm-hmm. Psychiatrists don't just do medication. Okay. In fact, I think we're just, I'd say we're just as well trained in psychotherapy as we are in medications. Um, uh, best, yeah. So it's not just psychologists. But actually, we tend to see the more complex patients. And the psychologist has said, talking therapy is just not good enough. Here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come to us and it's a complex mood issue and Dr. Hussain will do some of the therapy and some of the medications. Them. So yeah, so yeah, it depends. Now, is it just the treatments? Or can we prevent depression? And this is the future planning for this. This is the, the future. Prevention. So, for prevention, like for example, you in medical center, you're not yet depressed. <laughs> Inshallah, not yet. Not yet. (laughs) So, what do you think, from your perspective? What do you think as a preventive measures that you would take, and you you uh, you propose for depression? So it's more like early intervention. Yeah. So that's one thing, like early intervention, uh, spread awareness about depression. And also we see those people who might have depression, we might educate them of better ways to react if there is some kind of life stressors. How would they react to that? Like, for example, some exercises. People may propose yoga, for example, walking, reading, and all that. So these are important things because what is the, best, the, the, the better way of treating something is prevent it. Exactly. So that's what we are trying to say. I'm sorry, it's a bit complicated <laughs> topic. But uh, to summarize all this, Depression is really common. One in every ten people have depression. So let's uh, spread awareness about this. Some of you might have depression. Some of you, they don't have depression, but know someone who has depression. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to talk about suicide. Because those people, they need help. They want you to help them, but they cannot say it. So if you know someone, please just talk to them because this what we would like many of you do spread awareness about this disorder. Thank you very much.